Right, so I'd like you to turn with me, if that's okay, to Hebrews chapter 10. I'm just going to be reading a few verses from Hebrews chapter 10, beginning of verse 19. So just having a little look at some of these verses that are here um, in Hebrews chapter 10, sort of the prelude to, to Hebrews chapter 11, which is obviously a really well-known passage uh, about the sort of men and women of faith uh, that we see and we've spoken about so many times. So Hebrews chapter 10, beginning of verse 19, it says this, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil that is to say his flesh, and having an high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. We'll finish there just at the end of verse 25. Now, what I'm going to say to you this evening isn't anything uh, massively profound, but hopefully it's just something for us to be able to think about and consider as we enter into this new year, as we start off our, our year and we talk about um, everyone getting focused and getting refocused on the new things that is to come. We see so many people making New Year's resolutions at this time of the year, don't we? I'm sure you've seen on social media, people normally are writing all about uh, their New Year's resolutions and the things that they're going to do, the focus that they have for this year that's coming, the things that they're going to achieve, whether it be in the home, whether it be in the job, whether it be in their life and in the family and all of these different things. Everybody has got something that they like to focus on in the new year. We see a lot of it, as I said, on social media. I've got uh, a lot of friends and family who would write at this time of year saying about the things that, that they're setting as their New Year's resolutions. The reality is, is that most of it doesn't happen. They say that on average, 9% of people actually complete a New Year's resolution. So there's obviously a very, very small percentage of people that set these uh, New Year's resolutions. But people like to set a focus, something for them to aim for for this new year. And I suppose the challenge that I want to bring to you this evening is that as we think about this new year, as we think about getting started in 2023, and especially in our relationship with God, have we set a focus in our mind for what we want to do in our Christian lives? Have we set a focus for what we want to achieve in our church? Have we set a focus for what we want to achieve in our relationship with God in terms of striving with him and trying to do more and press on and grow closer in our relationship with God? Have we set a spiritual focus for our year that's to come? I spoke a few months ago at a, at a prayer meeting in Bangor. There's a prayer meeting that takes place every Monday morning uh, and has done, apart from outside of COVID, uh, has taken place for the last 67 years, every single Monday. Even if it was on Christmas Day, they all still met on this Monday morning uh, up in Bangor, this group of people that, that commit to praying for, for mission. So as you can imagine, now and again, they ask people from different mission organizations to come along and to speak at it. Uh, and I was asked to go along a few months ago to speak at this meeting up in Bangor. And every time I go, because I've been multiple times over the last seven or eight years, the same people are there. Every time you go, it's the same people who come and are consistent and are persistent in praying for the work of mission in the UK and also further afield. 
I went when I went a few months ago, and I went and I set up my gear because I was going to be showing them a bit of a presentation. Uh, and as you do, you go in, you set up, and then I was just sitting, and I was listening as people came in, and as they started to speak to one another, as they started to chat, and, and as is always the way, as was with all of you this evening, we come in, we have a little chat about things, how's your week been, how's it going, we talk about our ailments, because we all like to talk about how sick we are and what's wrong with us, that seems to be a British mentality that we all like to talk about what's wrong with us at the minute, and there was no difference when I went to this meeting a few months ago, these people were chatting away, chatting about the things that were going on. There was one particular guy caught me, caught my ear while I was sitting there getting ready for this meeting. He walked in, he was chatting away to people, said hello, shook everyone's hand, was talking about what was wrong with him. He had something wrong with his leg. And he was talking about it and all the doctor's appointments he'd had. And he said at the end, he said this statement that he said, sure, we're all falling apart, but we're still here anyway, aren't we? And I thought that was really fascinating that he saw that, sort of that statement that he made, that he said, ah, sure, we're all falling apart, but we're still here anyway. And the reality was is that no matter what was going on in their lives, no matter what they were facing, no matter what troubles, no matter what heartaches they were facing in their lives, every Monday they had committed themselves that they were going to be at this prayer meeting, they were going to pray for the work of mission, and that was a consistency in their lives week by week, no matter what was going on. And it sort of challenged me in a very strange way as you heard this sort of very sort of blasé statement being made. It really challenged me as to the fact that no matter what was going on in that person's life, being at that prayer meeting was the most important thing for him. And it challenged us and should challenge each and every one of us as we start into this new year, as we start into the focus and setting these new um, sort of things that we want to do in this new year. Do we have a focus and do we have an aim for this year of how we want to grow spiritually? We see here in Hebrews 10 all about being persistent. It's the sort of prelude, as we said before, to Hebrews 11. Uh, and what it is, is this chapter in Hebrews 10 is a really fascinating passage of Scripture. Because as we said, it talks almost about keeping going. The importance of being persistent. The importance of going and as we said, we go into Hebrews 11 after that, which is that great Hall of Faith chapter. But the reality is that the more that you read Hebrews 10 and Hebrews 11, the more that you realize that it's actually a passage that's less about showing off the achievements of those great men and women of faith, as we've read it so many times. But actually, it's more than that. It's so much more than that. It's a chapter of men and women sparing us on to keep going to be persistent through this race that is set before us, motivating us to look past the current situations that we face for something far better that is to come. And as we are set out into this new year, as we look ahead of us, as we, as we see back and we pass what has gone before, and as we look forward into this new year, Hebrews 10 really sets out for us, and then going into Hebrews 11, that need for us to keep pressing on, pushing forward, and we see it sets it out as this almost this race. And then Hebrews 11 is the, the chapter afterwards that shows us these people and their lives and how they are almost standing there on the sideline, sparing us on to keep going and to keep passing on that baton, to keep pushing forward and doing all that we can in the generation that we live in to be able to share the gospel with others and to be able to keep going in our Christian life. I know some of you are into sport and some of you are into running, cycling, football, all of these different things. And one of the things that you get when you get into all of these sports is that you get people alongside you and around you that want to support you and motivate you. 
me and before COVID, before COVID, I'm going to say before COVID because I'm not fit at all at the minute, but before COVID, me and Faith would have been into running and we would have liked to do running. And we decided a few years ago before COVID to do a 10K. And one of the things that you see when you do the 10K in Lisbon is that there are people lying in the streets and they're cheering you on, they're wanting you to do well and they're shouting for you. And there's people, uh, one, of the, one of the times we'd done the run, it was absolutely boiling. And there was a woman who just had a hose over the back of her fence just spraying people as they went past, going, come on, keep going, keep going, because everyone was so warm. You had all of these people cheering you on. But no matter how much people cheer you on, you still have to be prepared in yourself. And the first time me and Faith ran this 10K, we ran the race and Faith set off and she had gone, like, because I'm not a fast runner, and she'd gone, she was off in front of me and I was plodding along, sort of panting away. And as we got to the last sort of quarter of a mile, I seen her in front of me and my legs started pushing me further on until I caught up with her. And I caught up with her and said, and she was like, what are you doing here? And I was like, oh, I caught you so we can finish the race together. And she wouldn't speak to me and she tried to push on and she tried to finish the race without me. And, but, she, but she didn't have it in her legs. She didn't have it to do it. And I was like, are you trying to get away from me? And she, and she didn't listen. She wouldn't talk to me. Tried to push on again. And I was like, do you know what? Stuff you. And I ran. And I took off. And I beat her by seven seconds. And she never had the end of it for a year. Solid. I was telling her about this. Now I beat her by the seven seconds. And the next year, we signed up for the 10K. But she was ready for it. And she took off, started a race. And she got off in front of me, and I was like, oh, I'll catch up towards the end like I did last year. And we got to the last quarter of a mile, and I seen her in front of me, I had her in my sight, and she just took off. She beat me by a good minute and a half in this second race because she was prepared for it. And we've never done a third one. I think that's because she just wants to lord it over me for the rest of my life. But we've, kept, but we've got this thing that we're going to do a final race eventually. But no matter, even if we do decide to do this final race, one of the things that we both know is that in order to be able to do it and to be able to really compete and to be able to run that race well, we both have to be massively prepared. She was prepared for that second race, and that's why she beat me so well. And what we see in this passage in front of us is this race that is set before us and that challenge that is put before us of how important it is to make sure that we are prepared for all that we are going to face in this new year, in this race that is set before us. In our church, in our lives, in our own walk with God, we need to make sure that we are setting targets to make sure that we are prepared, as it tells us in those passages that we read just before. And as it tells us in Paul, as Paul said to us in so many different verses of the Bible, what we see here in Hebrews 10 is a motivator, a reminder that we need to uh, keep going that we need to run our race well and we see those examples of those people to motivate us and keep us going in hebrews 11 when things get tough there's a vast difference between professing your relationship to christ and demonstrating the reality of your relationship to your faith in christ through the actions and through the things that you do we see it as paul writes to titus in titus chapter 1 verse 16 uh, he says about a group of profession christians he says they profess that they know god but in works they deny him, being abominable and disobedient and unto every good work reprobate. What Paul is saying here is that those people profess to be saved, but by the lifestyle, by the practices, through the things that they are doing, they are not showing that. They show the entire opposite. And it brings us that challenge as we look through these verses here in Hebrews 10, is that as we set forth into this new year as Christians, as we look to be able to continue on in our relationship with God, have we got to the stage where coming to church, 
coming to meetings has just become a clock-in, clock-out situation. Where we come along, we sit in the meeting because that's what we're supposed to do, and then we get up and we leave at the end, and that's us for another day, and that's us for another week. Or do we realize the absolute privilege that we have of being able to not just come along to church, not just fellowship with other people, not just be saved, but that God hasn't only saved us, but he then chooses to use each and every one of us to be able to be involved in the work of God. Are we taking that? Are we taking that mantle and taking that opportunity, seeing it for what it is and seeing the importance that the God who created this universe has chosen you from the beginning of the world to be able to be a part of the mission of building his kingdom here in this corner of his vineyard. It's so important that we are involved. As we look into this new year, that we realize the importance to be involved in the work that is going on here in the church and also work that is further afield as well. There was a, um, there was a bit of a survey done in America last year, actually, um, with what's called the Southern Baptist um, Board, Southern Baptist Mission Board, and they reported that 37% of their members in Southern Baptist churches in America attend primary worship services in that church. So every given Sunday, only 37% of the members actually attend the worship services week in, week out. Only 12.3% of the members attend once a week. Uh, and what we see within these, and there's so many more statistics that I can give you that go along with this, but what we see as we look at our churches now is that we see people that don't put an importance on being involved in the work of God. That doesn't even start to touch on people that actually serve in their local church week by week. But what we see is that we're starting to see a decline in people going to church. What we're starting to see, even in our own country, is a decline in people coming along to church, whether it be Christian or non-Christian, that we see people sort of coming as and when they want to, and non-Christians not really coming into church as much anymore in terms of coming off their own bat and wanting to come. So what that does is it gives the, the onus and it gives the responsibility to us as Christians to realize how important it is for us to go out into the world to preach the gospel, to be involved in the work of God. Because people aren't walking in here anymore for, for your minister to be able to preach to and to be able to share the gospel with week by week. Very rarely does that happen in our communities anymore. The onus is on us as individuals to realize the importance that we have to be involved in the work of God, to be an active member in our church and to be an active member in our Christian life. An active member is someone who's committed himself or herself to regularly attend and participate in a local Bible-believing preaching church, unless they're prevented by circumstances beyond their control. Just having your name on a membership list of a local church falls short of God's expectations of what he wants for us. In looking at Hebrews 10, we see a couple of challenges that come along here. We see, firstly, um, uh, an exhortation uh, in verses 24 and 25 there. It says, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. Here, we're not given the command to, to love one another and to do good works, but to live lives in such a way that others will be stimulated and incited to live for Christ. We are told about the importance of gathering together so that we can encourage each other, so that we can fellowship together, so that we can hear the word of God being preached and so that we can be motivated to go out and to share that message with others. 
This stirring one another up to love and good deeds should be motivated by a sense of our Lord's imminent return. We know that the day is drawing closer and closer when God is going to return. We don't know when that day is. We don't know whether that's going to be tomorrow or in a week's time or in two weeks' time or in 20 years' time. We don't know when the Lord is going to return, but we know that he is going to return. And one of the things that we say quite a lot, um, especially when I'm going around doing more missional talks and things like that, is that one of the things that we're seeing in our society now is that we're seeing it becoming harder and harder for us to be able to go out into the street and preach, for us to be able to share our beliefs with people around us in our societies and in our communities. We're seen as, as people who, who hate people uh, if they don't believe what we believe. We're, uh, our views are, are ostracized in a lot of ways within our societies. We're starting to struggle to be able to get into schools. We're starting to see RE becoming less and less important in school curriculums. And we're going to see in the coming years, we're going to see young people growing up, which we're already starting to see now, young people in secondary schools that know little to nothing of the Bible at all. Do you want to be someone when that door eventually closes and the opportunities are really, really sparse, do you want to be someone that turns around and thinks to yourself, I should have done more while I had the chance? That's the challenge that is given to us here in Hebrews chapter 10. Are you going to be someone that pushes on this year and strives to do more for God, strives to be more involved in your local church, strives to do all that you can to be able to bring people in and to go out and to reach people with the gospel? Or are you going to be someone that carries on clocking in and clocking out this year and eventually, when it becomes impossible to be able to preach the gospel, are going to sit there and go, oh, I really wish I'd have done more while I had the chance. That's the challenge that is given to us in this passage. Press on, go forward, help each other, encourage each other, exhort each other, rebuke each other. Do all that we can to be able to push what we believe in the kingdom of God and to build up. God's kingdom here in this corner of his vineyard. John Piper had an interesting comment uh, when talking about Hebrews 10 when I was reading his commentary on it. Uh, he said, what we see within this section is people that want to stimulate and help one, each other, one another. That should be the focus of our life. Here is what you aim at from morning until night as a Christian. Notice carefully, it's not what you might expect. It is not consider how to love each other and do good deeds. That would, that would be biblical and right. But it's different. It says, consider how to stimulate each other, to love each other for good deeds. Focus on helping others become loving people. Aim at stirring up one another to do good deeds. And of course, the implication would also be that if others help and stir, then we need that helping and we need that stirring up as well. And we would be aiming at a sort of way in which we could think and feel and talk and act that would stir up each other to love and good deeds. The aim of our lives is not just loving and doing good deeds, but helping to stir up others around us to do the same. As the body of Christ, we are to come together in order to encourage each other, to exhort each other, to admonish each other, and even when necessary, to rebuke each other. All for the sake of pressing on for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. To fight the good fight of faith. To run the race with endurance and to finish well. You can't do that by staying staying away from church or only coming in frequently. It was famously quoted by John Wesley uh, that he said that there's nothing more unchristian than a solitary Christian. We are made to be together. As humans, we are made to be together. We see that right the way back in Genesis when, when God created Eve to be with Adam because it wasn't good for man to be alone. In the same way, it's our human nature that we want to be around people. 
We are to be together. And it's so much more important when it comes to Christianity. It's so much more important when it comes to our Christian life that we make sure that we are people who gather together, that spend time together, and that we make sure that we are people who come and pray together so that we can continue to do the work that God has set out before us. I may have told you this illustration a while back. It would have been a number of years ago now. But when I was a a teenager, when I was doing my A-levels, I'd done uh, music tech in school um, in my A-levels. And we got taken to the Philharmonic Hall in Liverpool because they were putting on a massive event there. And they took us to go and see what it was like and all the setup for it and all the rest of it. So we went along to the Philharmonic Hall. And there must have been six or seven grand pianos on this stage when we arrived. And we looked around at these grand pianos and everything else that was getting set up and the whole band section and all the rest of it. And the music teacher went over and he took a tune and fork off one of the pianos. And he said, you know what? This is the most important instrument on this stage. We were looking around at all these grand pianos going like 40 grand's worth of stuff. Here has a tune and fork, the most important item. And he said, you know what? He said, if you tried to take a piano like this and you tuned it to the tune and fork, And then you took the second piano and you tried to tune it to the first one. And then you took the third one, tried to tune it to the second one and so on and so forth. They would eventually become out of tune because if they're trying to tune them to one another, there is a defect in each one that will have been made that will go greater and greater as the pianos go along. He said, but as each and every one of them is tuned in to the tuning forks, they will naturally become in harmony with one another. That is the whole purpose of why we meet to pray. We meet to pray so that we can make sure, and as we refocus at the start of this year, we can make sure that we are in right in our relationship with God. We need to make sure, first and foremost, that our relationship is good with God, that we spend time in God's Word, reading our Bible, praying every day. Sounds really easy, doesn't it? Sounds really easy when you say the basics of Christianity, read your Bible, pray every day. But we all know that the reality is that it is so much harder to do that than what it is to say to be able to read our bible pray every day as as the distractions of life come along as tiredness comes along as you're trying to deal with with family and kids and all these different things that you have to do and and work and all these different things it can sometimes become a real struggle to be able to do the simple things of reading our bible and praying every day it's just like when people say on tv isn't it that in order to be able to live a healthy life you just need to eat better food and exercise more Sounds real handy, doesn't it, until you're at a meeting with a load of tray bakes and then it suddenly becomes the most impossible thing in the world to be able to eat healthy and to be able to exercise more. The reality is, is that as we step into this new year, it's important that we get that almost New Year's resolution, that we get ourselves back to those basics of getting right with God, reading our Bible, praying every day. In order for our church to grow It's not for us to all necessarily be here and everyone to be on the pews and everyone to be singing and for us to just be showing up and doing what we can. But as each and every one of us makes sure that we are right with God and that we are doing those basics well of reading our Bible and praying every day, we naturally will become in tune with one another. Our fellowship will become greater. Our prayer lives and our prayer meetings will become more powerful because we are each and every one of us striving in our day-to-day life to be able to draw closer to God as he in turn draws closer to us. The only way that we will ever stimulate others to live for Christ is through actively living for Christ ourselves. We need to make sure that we are being fed by the word of God, that we are praying to God, 
And then we are using what we are being taught, using what we are being given to then put out and to be able to share that with other people. I don't know if you've ever looked historically at the sort of lakes and rivers. You heard about, obviously, the, the rivers in the, in the Bible, uh, especially around the time of Jesus' ministry and the Sea of Galilee and uh, all of these different ones. As you look into the history of that and you look at those lakes, I, f- I was reading this a good couple of months ago uh, in a book and I thought it was fascinating uh, in terms of the application that I want to leave you with before we get into a time of prayer. It says that there are three very different lakes in Palestine connected by the River Jordan. Lake Galilee is in the middle of the three. To the north of the Lake Galilee is a lake called Lake Hule, uh, which is usually a dry and a dusty lake because it has no substantial river or stream running into it. And any rainfall that runs into it will run straight down south into Lake Galilee. However, south of Lake Galilee is the Dead Sea, which is so named because it had no outflow, and therefore it was full of poisonous salts and nothing lived in it. But Lake Galilee lies between Lake Hule and the Dead Sea, with both a tributary bringing in fresh water and an outlet washing out the salts so that it's full of life and it supports vibrant fishing industry as we see as we track the life of Jesus and we try to track the disciples as they were fishing. Uh, they fished in this lake. So we see, and the application, the practical application that comes from this as we think about these three lakes that are in there in the Bible is that we see, the, firstly, the different seasons of life that each one of us is like one of these lakes. Some of us are like the Dead Sea, um, that we've enjoyed plenty of input. We enjoy sound biblical teaching week in and week out, but we do very little with it to be able to build others up. And we've become poisonous, like sort of expository police with a critical spirit, venting on social media or whatever we can about division and discouragement as we see so much within social media and we see so much within our society today of of Christians arguing and Christians moaning at each other and being bitter and all of these different things. Some of us are like Lake Hule, spiritually dry as dust. We've been given out constantly, serving for so long that we're spiritually exhausted and we're drained because we're spending so much time giving and trying to do that we're not spending time doing those basics of reading our Bible, getting that sound input week by week because we're too busy trying to think of what we can do. And we become like this lake. We become exhausted and drained like the Hebrews. We need to be more like Lake Galilee, with a fresh spiritual encouragement from Scripture, reading our Bible, praying every day, making sure that we are right with God. But also then using what we are given to be able to put out and to be able to give to others. And that is the challenge that is given to us in so much of the Bible, but particularly here in Hebrews chapter 10 and then Hebrews chapter 11. It tells us of the importance of making sure that we are right with God, that as we start this new year, we make sure that our focus and our determination is being right with God and doing all that we can to be able to get our relationship close with God as we enter into this new year. And then making sure that as we get that sound teaching from our church and from our own Bible study, we do all that we can to go out, to use those gifts and talents that God has given you to be able to go and to be able to serve him with all that you can. Righteous living is not the root of salvation, but it is the fruit of salvation. All I can encourage you to do this evening is be involved in your church. Seek to serve Jesus through actively being involved in the ministry here with your friends, with your family, with your community. We need to pray and support and encourage one another, but make sure first and foremost that you are a person who gets deep into the things of God. 
that you make sure that you are a person who strives to grow closer to God day by day, that as you set these ambitions for the year that is ahead of you, that you make sure that you set ambitions for what you want to achieve spiritually this year. We want to make sure that we are closer to God by the end of this year than what we are right now. That is our responsibility. That is your responsibility to do all that you can to draw close to God so that you can draw closer to the people in your church and then you can work together to be able to go out and to be able to reach the people in this town and further afield with the amazing, glorious gospel, that hope that you have in your own heart. We can do all of these things as we work together, as we pray for each other, as we support each other, as we encourage each other. Do all that you can while you can, because the day may be coming when it will be taken away from us. Run that race. Push through those obstacles that are set out before us. Strive to do all that you can to be able to draw closer to God and to be able to serve him. We see the stories of those before us, of Abraham and Moses and Ruth and David, all of these great men and women of faith who were normal people, who failed, who fell, who made mistakes, but yet they realized that they were just ordinary people being used by an extraordinary God. And they picked themselves up and they kept going. And you might be at the stage as we start this new year where you've just got into a bit of a rut, where you've got used to doing things a certain way and you're almost doing it as a robot, just clocking in, clocking out, doing what you can and turning up and going home and all the rest of it. Now, as we start this new year, is the time for you to be able to rethink, to be able to refocus, to be able to pick yourself up and think, what can I do to be able to encourage those around me to do more as we go into this new year, to be able to do more for God, to be able to strive to reach more people for him. That's the challenge that's set before you, not for anyone else, but for you personally as an individual. What are you going to do to be able to help those around you, to be able to draw closer to God, and to be able to do all that you can to be able to see the people in your friendship groups, your family, and your community reached with the gospel, the hope that you have in your own heart. We're going to sing just before we get down to a time of prayer. And as we pray into these things and as we pray in, into the works of our church and into the things that's going to be going on uh, in this new year, uh, I know you have many things planned and I know obviously your works are going to be starting up again soon. Um, but before we get into that, before we look at these things, we're going to sing 351, hymn number 351. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul and we'll stand after the intro and we'll sing this hymn together
All right, now as we come into this time of prayer, um, we're going to be praying for obviously the, the work that's going on in our church. I know that you're we'll be starting up again soon. Um,